Welcome to our very first week, a brand new series that we're doing called The Good Work. The Good Work. I want you to turn to someone close by you and tell them, man, you have good work to do. Go ahead and tell them right now. Everybody, if you're watching online, tell them you have good work to do. Awesome, awesome. We are looking at, we're looking at someone in the Old Testament who has, um, who had a heart for the house. And uh, he is, he was all about the good work. His name is Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Nehemiah chapter 1, it's in the Old Testament. And as you are turning there, Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 2. As you're turning there, I just want to share something with you. Uh, Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear us talk a little bit about this initiative, Heart for the House. And even though as a church we're not about buildings, we're about building people, not building buildings, we do want to be good stewards of the facilities that God has given us. I mean, it's really nice to be able to come and sit in a nice, comfortable chair and be able to enjoy the, the facilities that God has blessed us. And so um, from here until the end of the year, we, we, we got to raise a little bit of money and there, we have some repairs to do. And, um, uh, you know, you saw, um, and, and you, you haven't noticed on your way out, you can see the pillars. I think I got a picture. Um, man, we, we got to take care of some things in the house, you know. And, um, and so we, we're going to paint the church. We're going to work on the parking lot. Um, we're going to do a few uh, landscaping. So it's a big initiative. But I really believe that, um, that if, we, if we all participate, all right, the goal, and I, I want you to hear from me. I want you to hear my heart. The goal is 100% participation. Here, here's what I've been praying for, okay? Uh, if you look on the next screen, here's what I'm praying for. I'm, I'm praying that God will, um, I'm praying for 25 people who will be willing from now until the end of the year to give $100, okay, towards this initiative. I'm praying for 25 people who will say, you know what? And, and I get it. For some of you, like, this is a huge amount. I get it. If you can't give $100, uh, like, totally understand, like, God will... You know, whatever God puts in your heart, that'll be fine. But what I'm praying for, and this is just sort of a a simple, right? Like what I'm praying for. Praying for 20 people who will say, from now until the end of the year, I'm going to commit $300 for heart for the house. I'm praying for 14 that will give 1,000. For five that will say 2,500. From four that will give 5,000. And for two people that will say $10,000. Now, uh, I just, I want you to know my heart in this. Leah and I... We've, we've already sacrificed. Our name is towards the bottom, okay, of all of these categories. We have, we have given sacrificially to the Lord, okay? So I want you to know as a leader, like, we have, we have skin in the game. I'm not just asking you for money. Uh, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do, okay? And, uh, but the, the goal, ultimately, the goal is for, for us to get under the load. And I believe, like, we're having conversations with our, our kids. We have two of our kids. They're teenagers. They're already working. And we're having conversations with them as, as far as, like, what, you know, what are you going to, and have you been praying about what you're going to give to heart for the house? And I believe with all of my heart, whether we reach our goal or not, it's, that's not the goal. The goal is for all of us to say, Lord, what would you have me give? And God knows your heart. And he sees the sacrifice. And um, if you take the time, okay, for the next six weeks, you're going to hear a little bit about this, to pray and say, Lord, um, what, what's the amount that you would have me give? 
to me, as, as your pastor, that would mean the world. If you just take some time with your spouse and say, Lord, would you, would you lead us in the amount that you would have us give to the ministry? All right, enough of that. So we're in Nehemiah chapter 1. I love what Roy said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Roy preached for me um, two, three weeks ago. He said this. He said, if you are the best of the best, if you are like the brightest in, in your class, the star athlete, I mean, the leader of leaders, God can still use you. And uh, I love that because that's, that's the heartbeat of Life Point. Uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. God can use anybody, right? But he often, often uses everyday, ordinary people. He can use anybody he wants to use, whoever has whatever talent out there. But he often, he specializes in using misfits, people who don't always have it all together. And so Nehemiah was like that. He's just a regular guy. He's not a priest. He, he's not a pastor. You know, he's not like this some spiritual giant that you see that like, you know, he's, a, he's not a king. He's not a prophet. He's not a, a warrior. He's just a guy. Just a just a regular, everyday, ordinary guy who wants to be desperately used by God. He wants to be desperately used by God. And this series, The Good Work, is for anyone who wants to say, who says that. Like, Lord, use me. God, I, I believe I was created for more. I believe there's more into this life. God, I want you to use me. Now, if you say those words, I've said those words before. If you say those words, I just want to warn you, all right? Just want to just kind of give you a heads up. It will cost you. It will cost you more than you would ever imagine. And I've been, I've been doing ministry for a little bit now, and um, I know this from exper personal experience. If you want your life to be a life of significance, if you want, like, if you want your life to count, in my experience, you will very likely experience pain, agony, rejection, deep discouragement. At times you will stand alone. At times you will be misunderstood. People will make fun of you. But if you're just willing, if you're just willing for God to use you, he will be honored and people's lives will be changed for eternity. And so Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 2 this is him speaking so this is a i love this because it's almost like a, a a very personal story like like it's this is telling it's nehemiah telling you like one-on-one -on -one, like let me let me give you a little bit of a heads up on what's going on so he says hanani that's uh, one of his brothers verse 2 here nehemiah speaking says hanani one of my brothers came to visit me with some other man who had just arrived from judah and I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So let me give you a little bit, a little bit of the context, okay? So this is 140 years prior to this moment, prior to Nehemiah saying these words, okay, or this happening. 140 years before, around the year 586, the Babylonians basically attack the the jewish people okay and they destroy i mean they obliterate them they they, they obliterate their city you remember solomon david's son you remember him 
Any of you guys? Yeah, give me a thumbs up. You remember him? All right, so Solomon built a temple for God. Remember that? Beautiful temple. The Babylonians come in, and they attack the Jews. They attack their city, and they totally get rid of the temple. I mean, gone, completely, obliterated. And so the Babylonians attack Nehemiah's people. Uh, they rape the women. They burn the city to the ground. They held the men in bondage, took the children away from their, their homeland. No, it wasn't just the kids. It was the women, the kids, teenagers. I mean, the men, like all of them, take them captive. And so decades later, several years later, about 50,000 Jews are able to go back. They managed to go back to Jerusalem. And, of course, the city is in ruin. And they're trying to rebuild it, but they're not making progress. And one of the reasons why they can't make any progress is because in that day and age, you had to have walls to protect your, your city. And the walls were completely down. And so they were vulnerable to the enemy. They would just come in, and they would attack. And so they would rebuild, and then the enemy would attack in the middle of the night. And they would, you know, the, the, the little bit of progress that they had made, it had collapsed. And so Nehemiah, 140 years later, he's getting a little bit of a, um, a, a, an update because he knows 50,000 people went there. They managed to get there. They're trying to rebuild. And he, he talks to his brother and some man, and he's like, give me an update. What's going on? Nehemiah is about 1,000 miles away okay, from Jerusalem. And he says that they said this to him. They said to me, verse 3, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. Watch this. Watch this. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, I want you to put your shoes in, in, in I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Okay? I want you to I want you to think it's your family who's taken away. It's your family and your spouses who were raped. It's your children who were captured and taken away. How would you feel? If you hear that, man, we finally got a, a group of people to go back and they're, they're rebuilding things, but they're still, they're still vulnerable. It could happen again. And then Nehemiah's like, give me an update. And they say, they say, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall still down. Gates have been destroyed by fire. What do you do when you just can't take it anymore? the title of the message when you go through something in life and you just feel like you're at the end of your rope and you're just like i cannot i don't know what else to do i just cannot take it anymore you lose your job and with it goes your your identity the doctor says it's cancer we can't really do anything about it your boss is slandering your name you're you're um dealing with betrayal drug abuse in the relationship I mean, you, you say of your, of your marriage, I just can't take it anymore. I don't know how much longer we can go like this. What do you do in those moments? What do you do? When all the walls have been torn down and you feel like you're not safe, there's just no protection. Like everybody that has loved you in the past, they seem to just step away. What do you do when you can't take it anymore? When, when you see something that bothers you deeply and you can't take it anymore? Well, I want you to listen through that filter because God's going to give us tremendous insight. And Nehemiah is going to do a couple of things that are simple, 
and that I believe we can do. When you're in that moment of desperation, when you all you do is like, man, you've hit rock bottom and you don't know where else to go and the only thing you can do is look up Nehemiah does a couple of things and and I think they're simple they're not complicated it's two things he does and I think any of us in this room and watching online any of us could do it first thing he does is in verse 4 watch what he's what what happens he says when I when I heard this I sat down and wept in fact for days I mourned for days I mourned I I fasted I, I prayed to the God of heaven he says when I heard this when I heard that my people were back there and they're trying to rebuild but the enemy there's no walls and they're coming in the middle of the night and they're they're you know destroying them and when I heard this that there's a possibility that the women are gonna be raped again that the children could potentially be taken away again when I heard this, I was broken. I just could not take it anymore. What does he do? Nehemiah sits down and prays. It's the first thing. You look in verse 4. Well, what do you mean by that? Sit down and pray. Well, first thing he did is he owned his feelings. You know, he owned the way, like, he poured his heart out to God. And often, when it happens to us, what we do is we hide we try to ignore the, those emotions. We try to push them aside. But when I read my Bible, man, I'm, I read a Savior who was, he was, he was not all about the intellect. He had emotion. He sees the crowds. He sees the children, the women, and the men, and the teenagers. And he sees them like they're, he says they're like sheep scattered. They don't have a shepherd. And, he, and, and the Bible says that he had compassion for them. That's an emotion. That's a feeling. His friend Lazarus dies. What does the Bible say? It says, he wept. He wept. Not for Lazarus, but for the families. You know, so our God is a God who understands emotion, but yet when it's our, our turn to, to mourn, when it's our turn to, to, man, like pour our hearts to God, we try to, and I don't know if it's been something that we've been taught. I don't know if it's just our culture. Uh, I don't know where it comes from, but we try to hide, or we ignore it, or we just kind of push it to the side. And for some reason, it's just, we just don't, we don't want to go there. But look at what he says, verse 4. I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned. Yeah, I get it. There is a time to praise Jesus. There is a time to be like, woohoo, you know. But there is also a time, there is also a place and time where we need to get on our knees in desperation and cry out to the Lord. And say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own, God. Please, please help me. And yet we somehow we've been taught not to, you know, to fake it, I guess we've been taught. And I want you to know, if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to know God can take your sadness. He's a big boy. He can take your bitterness. He can take the anger. He's not intimidated by you. He's, uh, he created you. He understands you better than you, you know. It's, it's like a child, right, crying out to his parents. Like, like we want them to come to us. And so Nehemiah, poor, he's, you know, he, he owns his feelings. He, you know, he just said for days he mourns, but he doesn't just do that. He also takes time to fast. And I love this. Jesus does say there are some things that only come by prayer and fasting. And it is not a discipline that, we're very, that we practice a whole lot or we even teach a whole lot. 
but Jesus does say when you pray, when it's not like like it's not like like if when you that when you pray, when you fast, there's some things that only come through prayer and fasting. You say, well, what's fast? What's fasting? Fasting is when you say uh, no to something good in exchange for something better. All right. So fasting, biblical fasting, is when you say no to food because you want to be desperate for God. And when you and when I have fasted, like what those times when I've gone there, man, I recognize very quickly who my provider is because I like I like my food. We had the men's man. We just got, came out of a, a weekend with some guys, you know, our warrior weekend, and we had steaks. That was our last meal. I had like two and a half steaks, big steaks. So I love I love food. You can worship food too, right? But the times when I say, you know what, I'm going to remove that. A good thing, food. There's nothing wrong with food. Good thing I'm going to remove that because I want something better in my life. And it's not, it doesn't, you know, maybe there's something physical in your life and you can't, you know, you have to constantly, you know, you have to eat, you know. Well, you can fast for, from other things. I've known I've fasted from social media. Nothing wrong with social media. Like, like for me at least, like it's a, it helps me connect with people. I can, I can see updates of what you guys are doing with your kids and your family. I have friends in different countries. So I love social media. Nothing wrong with social media. But this summer, I took a, I took a one week fast because I wanted to detox my mind. Because sometimes you can go over, you can go over. Like if all you do, if you wake up and that's the first thing you do, you just check social media. And if all day you're just strolling, you just, you know, and that's, you're consumed by it, then well, maybe you need to do what I, what I do from time to time. Just, just have a little bit of, just I'm going to have a little break. So fasting is saying no to something good in exchange for something better. That's what Nehemiah says. What do you do when, when you can't take it anymore? Well, pour your heart out to God, but take some time to fast. Take some time to fast. Because you will see, you'll see God in real ways. It's a, it's a supernatural thing. I know people like that have fasted from, from watching the news, from coffee. Oh, man, no, Pastor, don't go there. Yes, you can fast from coffee. You know, I've, I know people that, man, they're, they're praying about who the next person is going to be for, for them. And they go on a dating fast. And they say, you know what, for the next six months, I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on the Lord. Because I believe that he can do way more with, with, if I surrender that area of my life, than I can do with my own time. And so Nehemiah takes the time to fast. Now, look at the next thing he does. Verse 6, he's, he confesses. Listen to my prayer. He says, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. So he's owning his junk. And he's, Nehemiah is saying, Lord, what is confession? Confession is just agreeing with God. Confession is when you say, okay, Lord, you're right. Have you ever said that? All right, God, I've tried my way, and it hasn't, it hasn't worked out. You know, and you're like, whoop, turn. It's like, okay, you're right. Confession is just being in agreement with God. And so you, you, you say, Lord, I know better. I know your word. I talked to my wife the wrong way the other day. God, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Honey, I'm sorry. I know better. That's what confession is. God, I agree with what you've already taught me. You know, I yell at the kids, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I know better. I, I, um, I, I cheated. Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't go down that path. I bent the truth. God, I'm putting my trust on, on things that are not good for me, you know, physically, for my mind, for my body. 
you know, I'm running to drugs or pills or alcohol, and it's just, it's just a band-aid. I'm just trying to cope with a deeper pain in my heart that only you can feel. And so, God, I'm sorry. I confess. Confession is not going to a, a priest. And that's why I, from time to time I tell you I'm not your priest. I'm your pastor. You don't come to me. You go to Jesus. And so did Nehemiah. So he pours his heart out. He doesn't. And what do you do when you can't take it anymore? Pour your heart out. Own your emotions. Take some time to fast. Some things only come with prayer and fasting. And confess. Own. You know what I love about confession is that God says in 1 John, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. Man, confession shouldn't be a difficult thing. You talk about repentance? It shouldn't be a hard thing. It should be a like, yes, I get a second chance. Thank you, Lord. That's how we should look at repentance. Repentance is a good, is really a good thing. You know, the world says, shame on you. Have you heard that phrase before? Shame on you, shame on you. Jesus says, shame off you. Shame off you. So if you've messed up, just own it. Confess. And then he prays. Sit down and pray. Sit down and pray. Own your feelings. Fast. Confess. Pray. Verse 11. Let me show you how he prays. Oh, Lord. Watch his prayer. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer, prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. I love that. Who delight in honoring you. I really believe the majority of you here and today have, have that heart. Same, those of you watching. You want to please the Lord. Listen to the prayers, God, of those of us who delight in honoring you. Watch this, watch this. Please grant me success today. You see how specific? It's, it almost seems like a little bit selfish. God, give me success. Ah, oh, pastor, you shouldn't ask that, you know, for success, you know. Says, God, give me. There's nothing wrong. He's not the only one, by the way, in the Bible. If you study that, there's other people who pray exactly the same prayer. Lord, give me success today. Give me success today. Listen, if you, if, if you are praying about something and it matters enough for you to cry to the Lord about, if it matters enough for you to get on your knees and just to beg him for help, if it matters enough to you, you're going to confess your sins and you're going to say, Lord, here it is. Here's all the junk. Do all the work. Clean it out. Okay? Get rid of all the junk, God. I agree with you. I know you're, I know better. I know your word. If, if it matters enough for you to do those things, do you not think that it matters to him? Of course it matters. Of course it matters. And so he says, give me, grant me so personal right grant me me lord success today by making the king favorable to me put it into his heart to be kind to me verse 11 in those days i was the king's cup bearer so nehemiah was a cup bearer to the king and what he wants is he wants to go to the king he wants to ask for time off so he can go help his people that's what he wants Right? He's under the authority of the king. And he wants his blessing. And so you, you, you may be here and you're like, what is a cup bearer? <laughs> well, in our world today, uh, a cup bearer would be the equivalent of a butler. Okay? 
That's who Nehemiah was. That was his job. That was his position. Uh, a cupbearer is sort of like a secret service agent, right? Like they're going to protect the president. So the cupbearer in that day and age was a person who um, had to be trusted. Okay, he had to be, I mean, incredibly trusted person because he had direct access to the king. So if the king was having some secret conversation, strategizing about war, or you know, the cupbearer could betray them. So he had to be a, like full of integrity. He had to be loyal to the king. Well, often they would drink the wine before the drink, the, because in, in that world, just like today, there were always plots to overthrow the kingdom, right, or a kingdom. And so the cupbearer would taste the wine before the king just to make sure nobody had poisoned it. Now, if I had that kind of job, I'd want at least really good life insurance, right, for my family, you know, because, you know, there's not too many chances, right? Um, but that's what he did. And what I love about Nehemiah is that he doesn't just sit down and pray for the people. He's also going to see number two, and this is something that we can do, he's going to get up and go. Okay? We're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask our worship team to get in place. So Nehemiah, when, when you can't take it anymore, what do you do? Well, he sat down and prayed. But what you're going to see here in the next couple of verses is that he also got up and went. He, he, he you know, in, in one of my favorite verses, I always um, preach this verse. I guess I need it, and so I, I figure, you know, maybe it can help all of us. But Proverbs 24, 16, a righteous man falls seven times, yet he gets up. A righteous woman falls seven times, yet she gets up. It's in the getting up. It's in the getting up. And so we have to learn that lesson. We have to be able to, to, to get up and go after we've been knocked down. And so it's what you do after the business fails that matters. It's what you do after the divorce is finalized. That matters. The kids still need you. It's what you do after after you've given in to temptation. That matters. The past is the past. God can still use you if you get up and go. Make sense? Now, if you're if you're praying, God, Lord, bless this food, keep me safe, give me a good day. If that's all you're praying, I think something's missing in your life. Because you you serve a much bigger God. You serve a God who's all-knowing, all-powerful, the commander of the universe. Man, we're trying to raise $75,000 from here until the end of the year. Oh, man, the most we've done is 15000 What are you thinking? For me, it's a lot of money. For God, and so if your prayers are down here, I want to challenge you. Raise it up. Because your God is much bigger than yourself. Be obedient, but raise it up. Nehemiah gets up and he goes to the king. Verse 4, in chapter 2, verse 4, the king asked him, well, how can I help you? And I love this. Nehemiah 2, 4, chapter 2, verse 4. With a prayer to the God of heaven, he replies. So he's coming before the king. And at this king, if you know the culture, could have had his head on, on a platter. Because what Nehemiah is asking to do is to go away. And the king could have felt betrayed. And so he's coming to the king. He's a little bit afraid. And it says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, 
he replies. He, he whispers as he's, as he's being obedient, as he's going, he's just, God, help me. Now, you know what would happen if you take the time to read the book on your own? Like, like the next six weeks, we're going to be in Nehemiah. But, like, if you, if you just happen to just pick up your Bible, your version app or whatever, and you just read it on your own, just the book, okay? You know what you learn? Like, away from, like, without my messages, you know, with, you know, away from any commentaries, away from all the noise. You know what you would learn about Nehemiah? If you just read it through, I, I really challenge you to do that. It's not a really that, it's not that long. You know what you learn? You learn that Nehemiah is a, he's a leadership genius. He is a leadership genius. The guy studies. He's a strategic thinker. He, he strategizes. He's able to cast vision. He rallies the troops. He delegates. But above all that, you know what you pick up from Nehemiah? Is that him and God are like this. And with all of the leadership skills and with all of the talent that he has, he has the courage to come to the king and with a prayer with a whisper, God, help me, help me. I can't do this on my own. He stands up and he acts. He gets up and he goes. The king says, what do you want? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, I reply, verse 5, if it please the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. In other words, sir, I honor you. My heart is with you. I'm not going to betray you. But would you please grant me permission to leave? My people are hurting. The walls are down. The city is exposed. And I just can't sit around and do nothing. Like somebody's got to do something. And, and, and it, might as well, it might as well be me. Sounds a little bit like the heart full of house, right? Man, look at the pillars church let's rally ourselves up let's do this so with heads bowed and eyes closed what do you do when you can't take it anymore well you do what Nehemiah did you sit down and pray own your feelings you're an emotional being you're not a machine take time to fast oh I've never done that well you can do it you can fast for 12 hours. You can take time to fast for a day. Don't tell me you can't do that. I understand if there's a medical situation, that may be a little bit different. But you can fast from other things. Confess. Own your junk. Pray. Get up and go. Go in faith. Go in faith. Face your reality. And as you go, whisper a prayer. So I ask you today, is it time to sit down and pray? Or is it time to get up and go? Which one is it for you right now? How many of you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? There's some things in my life. I need some prayer. Would you raise your hand all over the room, online? We have tons of hands going up. Pastor, pray for me. This message has really hit me hard. Father, you've seen the hands, you know the hearts. God, I pray you give us 
the courage that Nehemiah had, Lord, to sit down and pray, get up and go. And God, as we move into a time of offering and tithes, God, I pray that we'll be obedient. You want our hearts, first and most of all. But God, the way we show you that sometimes is by sacrificing to you. So God, honor whatever it is that we're putting forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.